This sicha is a sicha in connection to both Shabbos Nachamu as well as a siyum on Masechta Makkas. The Rebbe starts off and says in regards to the double expression of the Pasuk in the beginning of the Aftoira, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomer, Alekeichem, Hashem says, a double expression of comfort to the Yidin. The Medrash says, Laku B'Keflayim, the Yidin were punished in a double measure, Misnachamim B'Keflayim, so they're being comforted in a double measure. So the idea of the comfort is going to be a double comfort. We need to understand, says the Rebbe, what is the idea? What does it mean, a double comfort? And on the other hand, there's another simple question that's known. What's the chidush? Why, why is it even a novelty that they're going to be comforted twice if they were punished twice? Says the Rebbe, we're going to understand this by first giving an explanation on the end of Mesech Tamakis, the seam of Mesech Tamakis, where there too we, found, we find a double expression of comfort. Where the Chachamim say to Rabbi Akiva, Akiva Nicham Tonu, Akiva Nicham Tonu. There too it's speaking about the idea of the Churban and the Golos, and there as well there's this double expression of Nicham Tonu that you have comforted us. Says the Rebbe, based on that which we know, that generally all the Inyanim of Teirish and Miksav, are going to be more explained in Torah Shabalpeh. So, so too in our case. In other words, based on the Gemara, we'll be able to understand the expression of the Pasuk, the double expression of Nachamu, Nachamu. So the Rebbe looks at the Gemara, where the Gemara says that Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Akiva are walking on the road. They're going towards Rome. They hear the big commotion coming from Rome either from the palaces of Rome or the plaza of Rome, different versions of air, but at a distance of 120 mil, they're able to hear this, this big commotion. So the other Tanoim start crying, whereas Rabbi Akiva starts laughing. So the Tanoim say to him, why are you laughing? So he turns to them and he says, why are you crying? So the Tanoim respond, these Goyim that are bowing down to avoid the Zorah, and they bring their k'toyrus to They're sitting in such a secure way, in such a peaceful way, in such a calm way. And us, our Beis HaMikdash, that is considered the footstool of Hashem, is burnt in fire. Shouldn't we cry? Says Rabbi Akiva to them, that's exactly why I'm laughing. Because if this is what the, those that even transgressed Hashem's will, if this is what they get, how much more so the Yidden that do Hashem's will, imagine the reward that they're going to get. The Gemara then goes on and relates another story. Once again, these Tanoim are walking, and at this time they're going to Yerushalayim. When they come to the Har HaTzoifim, they tear their clothes. When they come to the Har Abayis, they notice a shul, a fox, coming out of the place that was the Kodesh HaKadoshim. The Tanoim start crying, and Rabbi Akiva starts laughing. So the Tanoim say to him, why are you laughing? He says to them, why are you crying? And they say to him, this place... That regarding it, the Pasuk says, Vahazor hakore, if you must, anyone that's a foreigner that gets close, will be put to death. And now foxes are going there, are strolling there. Shouldn't we cry? Says Rabbi Akiva to them, that's precisely why I'm laughing. Says, we have a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, I have set forth for myself proper, trustworthy, faithful witnesses. Esuriyo hakoyen, and Zechariah ben Yevorechio says Rabbi Akiva, what are these two witnesses? What's the connection between these two names, Uriah Koyin and Zechariah? They seem to be in two different times completely. 
Uriah is in the time of the first Beis HaMikdash. Zechariah is in the time of the second Beis HaMikdash. Says Rabbi Akiva, what the Pasuk is doing, what Hashem is saying is, that the Nevuah of one is dependent on the other. The Nevuah of Zechariah is dependent on Uriah. Meaning to say, in regards to Uriah, we find the Nevuah of Churban, of destruction. The Pasuk says, Lachain beglalchem, that because of you, Tzioin, the place of Tzioin, the Beis Hamikdash, the Kredish HaKadoshim, Sada Teicharish will be plowed like a field, etc. We have a Pasuk by Zechariah. The Pasuk says, this is the uh, Nevuah of comfort, of Geula. Oid Yesh Muzkein, Muzkein is Merchavis Yerushalayim, there will yet come a time where the old men and the old women are going to be sitting in the streets of Yerushalayim. Says Rabbi Akiva, as long as Uriah's Nevuah was not fulfilled, in other words, that this place was not plowed like a field, I was concerned that Zechariah's Nevuah of Geula won't be fulfilled. But now that I see that Uriah's Nevuah was fulfilled, and we see these foxes running around over here, so now it's obvious that Zechariah's Nevuah will also be fulfilled. When the Chachamim heard this, they said to him, Belashin Hazed these words, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva, you have comforted us, Akiva, you have comforted us. Says the Rebbe, even though the, this Gemara is a part of what we call the Agada part of Torah, we generally have a rule that we don't learn halachos from Agada. Says the Rebbe, this is only when the, what you might want to learn from the Agada might be in contradiction to a halacha that we know. But if there is no contradiction, then we could learn halachos from the area in Torah that's called Agada, and we rely on it. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, even if we want to say that we can't learn out from Agado, we can't learn out practically how to do a halacha. In other words, we can't pask in a halacha based on the Agado. But we could definitely take svaris, the logic that we see in the Agado. We could definitely then use that logic to try to apply it in an area of halacha. In addition to that, says the Rebbe, in our case, it's not just merely words of Agado, but it's actually a maiserav, meaning here we see that they actually acted in a particular way. How these tanoim are practically acting in halacha. In fact, the Baraisa goes and enumerates the names of all of these Tanoim, including Rabbi Akiva. We know a cloud that we say that Kulu alibud Rabbi Akiva, that all the inyanim of Teirisha Baal Peh all go according to Rabbi Akiva. These are from Talmidim, Rabbi Akiva, etc., etc. So therefore, says the Rebbe, it's understood simply that in our case, there are definitely certain Svaros that we could use that are going to be relevant to Allah. Especially, says the Rebbe, that in our case, after the second case that the Gemara says, not only that they were crying, after, after, in, in the second story, where the Gemara says not only they were crying and he's laughing, we also see over here practically Allah in the sense that the, the Allah, that when they come to the Haratzoifim, they tear their clothes, and then we say, oh, this is the halacha, this is the way we actually have to do it, that is brought in this forum, seeing the Gemara that this is the halacha, we have, that a person has to tear their clothes when he comes to that place. So therefore, there's definitely some halacha element in all of this as well. So based on all of this, says the Rebbe, now we need to understand, to use the expression that Gemara often uses, what is really the basis for this machloikas, the halachic basis and, and, and logic, between these different Chachamim, why they're arguing with Rabbi Akiva, and it's not only an argument, but it's going from one extreme to the other. They're crying and he's laughing. And even though the Gemara concludes and says, that by the end they said to him, Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva nichamtonu, 
Nevertheless, it's understood that their original thought of Yishilu Boichen, that they're crying, obviously there's a halachic reason in their svarah, in their logic, why did they think that it was more appropriate originally to be crying about all of this? Especially, says the Rebbe, that in the first story, we don't see that it says that they said to him, Akiva tanu. In the first story, we don't find them sort of agreeing to his opinion. And it sounds like, from the answer of Rabbi Akiva, in the first story, and we don't, and we don't say that, since we, we don't see that it, they say in the first story that Akiva Nicham Tanu, and furthermore, this didn't stop them from crying the next time, as the Gemara goes on and says, next time they were crying again, so seemingly at the end of the first story, they still weren't convinced. So we need to understand what's really going on over here. In addition to all of this, says the Rebbe, we also need to understand the number of diyukim, specific little questions in, in the specific details of the story. And the Rebbe mentions a, no, a number of things. Number one, says the Rebbe, what's Rabbi Akiva saying? Why is Rabbi Akiva asking, why are you crying? It seems to be quite obvious that when you hear all of this excitement coming from Rome, these people that destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, and especially in the second story, when you see that the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed to such an extent that foxes are coming out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, obviously this is going to bring out a terrible, sad feeling and crying. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, what's not understood. The Gemara says in the second story, when they come to the Harat Soifim, they tear their clothes. Who tears their clothes? Simply, and that's the way it sounds, just from the simple wording and the flow of the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva was one of those people as well that tore their clothes. That means Rabbi Akiva is also mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So what does it mean that he's asking them, why are you crying? Next question. The Pasig Vahazara Korev Yumas, which is what they quote to Rabbi Akiva, a foreigner that will come in, will die, is not actually speaking about someone that's a Zor going into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's a Pasig that's speaking about a Zor, a, a non koyin that's doing avoid in the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Rebbe, since these Tanoim are trying to emphasize the Isur of going into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, even just going, entering the Kodesh HaKadoshim, so seemingly they should have brought the Pasuk that says about the Koyen Gadol, that even the Koyen Gadol is not allowed to go in just freely any time to the Kodesh HaKadoshim throughout the year. Even he can only go in on a special time on Yom Kippur. Next question. What does Rabbi Akiva mean when he says, as long as the Nevuah of Uriah, that, that Nevuah of destruction, wasn't f- fulfilled, I was concerned about the Nevuah of Zechariah. How is it possible a doubt that the Nevuah Chas V'Sholem won't be fulfilled? Especially that we know that Azal tells us that any word that comes out from Hashem, L'toiva, for the good, any promise for the good, even if it was given only as a condition, with a condition, Hashem never goes back and it of course will be fulfilled. What does Rabbi Akiva mean? I was afraid it won't be fulfilled. Another question that Rabbi asks is, why is Rabbi Akiva, the passing that he brings for Churban, he brings this Pasuk, Tzion Sadatecharish, specifically this Pasuk about Tzion being plowed like a field. Why does he bring this Pasuk and not any other previous Nevois of Churban and so to Pesukim of Geula? What's the emphasis over here specifically on this idea? The Rebbe then asks, why is it relevant to mention the names of all of the Tanoim? Seemingly what's most relevant is just the fact that Rabbi Akiva is with some other Tanoim and Chacham, and he, that he has a different opinion and a different way of conduct to them. So seemingly the Gemara could have said, as we find other places in the Gemara, 
something like Rabbi Akiva and the Skenim were going to these places, and this is what happened, etc. Why, again, relevant the names of the Tanoi? The Rebbe asks another question. Why is it that only by the, at the second story do the Chachamim say, when Rabbi Akiva tells them why he's laughing, why is it only by the second story that they say Akiva Nicham Tonu and not by the first story? And finally, the Rebbe asks, what's this, the Gemara says, Beloshin Haze Omrulo, they said with him, with these words, Akiva Nicham Tonu, Akiva Nicham Tonu. What's this idea of repeating this double expression and in fact, the Gemara emphasizes it. They told him with these words, what's this idea of this double comfort? So the Marsha explains, and that the idea of doubling the Akiva Nicham Tanu is because of the two stories. In other words, you comfort us in the first case, and you comfort us now as well. But, says the Rebbe, this answer still needs further clarification and explanation. These two stories happen in completely different times, completely different places. The first story is happening when they are on the way going to Rome. The second story, when the Gemara says another time, this is happening when they are going to Yerushalayim. So why would, in one answer, why are they now answering in one, for, in one statement for both stories? So the Rebbe says, simply, the way we can explain all of this is, that in the, both of these stories, we see the common theme of the Shita of, on the one hand, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua on the one hand, and Rabbi Akiva on the other hand. That is, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, in every one of these situations, they are seeing what seems to be the obvious negative situation. And Rabbi Akiva is seeing in them the ultimate good, the inner good, that's the result of it. Rabbi Akiva is going over here according to his famous Shita, as the Gemara tells us elsewhere. Rabbi Akiva taught that a person should always be in the habit of saying, call the Ovid Rachamana, that whatever the Eibishter does, is of it is always for the good. And as the Gemara says, the story, how this is actually the way Rabbi Akiva himself acted, and the story related to that, and so on. According to this, says the Rebbe, we can explain that the Gemara, why the Gemara is bringing both of these stories together again, even though they're in different times and in different places. It's not only because it's both stories happening with the same Tanoim, but rather in both stories we're seeing the same thread, the same theme in the Shita of Rabbi Akiva, to always see in the present the good and the benefit that's going to come out of it later. But, says the Rebbe, if this is the idea that the Gemara is bringing out, we then have some more questions to clarify. Number one, to use again uh, an expression that the Gemara often uses, is the tzirichusa. In other words, when uh, the same ideas are being repeated a number of times, we need to understand why all three are needed. What is the chidush in what Rabbi Akiva is teaching in these two stories, and how they are different to each other compared to what he teaches in Kol Da'avid Rachamanu Latavavid. Clearly, each thing is adding something to the previous idea. Question number two, says the Rebbe. This idea that a person should always be in the habit of saying that Kol Da'avid Rachamanu Latavavid, this is a general rule. We don't find anywhere that there's any machloikas about us, that anyone that should be in disagreement with this general concept. In fact, it's Paschad and Shulchan Aruch. This is the way we have to act. 
Says the Rebbe, it's not logical to say that these Tanoim, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, are disputing, are arguing this, this, this idea. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, even in the second story, when they say, Akiva Nicham Tonu, we don't necessarily have it clear. It's not necessarily necessary to say that they are regretting completely their opinion. We're just saying, fine, you comforted us. But it seems to me there is still some sort of svar in the way they see things. So we're trying to understand what is still the machlaikas. Are they disagreeing with the concept that Hashem does everything for the good? Of course everyone agrees with that. And finally, the Rebbe says, if that's in fact what the Gemara is trying to say, then the Gemara, what should have Rabbi Akiva said? The main point he should have emphasized is this central theme. He should have right away said to them, He should tell them everything Hashem does is for the good, is for the best. And then, if necessary, he could explain in this particular case as the things that he explains in these stories. But he seems to be omitting this main point. Says the Rebbe, we're going to understand this by first just explaining the Gemara Simply, what the Gemara is telling us. In other words, what's really going on over here? What's Rabbi Akiva asking? Which was one of our questions. He asked, why are you crying? And we want to understand, what is he even asking, right? So the Rebbe says, the main question of Rabbi Akiva, when he says, why are you crying? Is like this. Since they started crying, only once they heard the commotion and the excitement coming from Rome, and they did not start crying earlier, so it's understood that the reason they're crying is not just because they are aware, they know that Rome is a strong um, kingdom, etc. Clearly, they knew about this earlier, even before they went out on this journey. In fact, the reason they're going to Rome is because the Romans are so strong and they're making decrees against the Eden, and that's exactly why they're going to Rome. So they're clearly aware of the might and power of Rome even beforehand. So to says that in the second story, the fact they're crying is not on the actual Khurban itself. Especially that regarding the Khurban, we have earlier in the story, they saw the destruction, they're tearing their clothes. So this all happens earlier. So when, when did they start crying? Specifically when they see the fox coming out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, this is when they start crying. So what Rabbi Akiva is asking them is, when he says, why are you crying?, what he's trying to understand is what happened now? What, what, what happened now that caused you now to start crying? Again, in both stories, you were aware of the Khurban and the, the, the success of Rome you were aware before. What caused the crying now? So what they respond to Rabbi Akiva is, well, first in the first story, they say, here you have these Goyim sitting so securely, peacefully, in serenity and so on, and us, our base, the base of Migdash and the Abish, there is burnt in fire. What they're saying is the actual fact that you have this kingdom of Rome, and they are sitting securely in physical things and worldly things. This wouldn't make them cry. That wouldn't. That wouldn't. That's not what would have gotten 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 them excited now in a negative way. On the contrary, says the Rebbe, the fact that Malchus Rome is very very strong is actually for the benefit of the Yidin. The Pasek says, ba'adir that the Beis HaMikdash is going to fall in the hands of someone mighty. It's a famous expression, Chazal that if um, someone gets embarrassed by somebody else, 
So the embarrassment is a much greater one when you're being embarrassed by being put down by someone very lowly. So in this case, the embarrassment for the Yidin is a much lesser embarrassment when the Beis Hamikdash is falling through a, a very powerful government. So the actual fact that Rome is powerful, that's not what's causing their major distress. On the contrary, as we said, there's even a certain advantage that Rome is such a powerful government. In fact, says the Rebbe, this will actually make it more geschmack why in, when, when they respond to Rabbi Akiva, they're not, they're not starting right away with the idea that Rome destroyed the base of Migdash and they're still standing strong. Because, on the contrary, I said, this is for the benefit of the Yidin, that actually, in a certain sense, lessens the disgrace, the embarrassment, the shame, etc. What they are, however, bothered by and what they're claiming is, the fact that at the same time that Rome is sitting in a matzav, in a state of betach v'hashkit, securely and serenely, in the time when our base Hamikdash is burnt in fire, this is a tremendous chilul Hashem, in addition to a chilul of shame Yisrael. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, since Rome's whole power is only in order so that the Beis Hamikdash will fall in the hands of someone powerful. So why is Rome still powerful, still sitting securely and 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 and, and in, in peace, etc. Even now, time that a time much after the Beis Hamikdash is already destroyed. So too says the Rebbe in the second story. When they see the fox coming out of the Kodesh Hakadoshim, they see the most tremendous Chilul Hashem and desecration of the Eden's name. That a place that it says about it, Vahazora Korev Yumos, that no Yid even is allowed to get close. And that even the Koyin Godel, who is the Koyin Shekadoshim of the Yidin, is not allowed to go inside other than once a year on Yom Kippur and only if he goes in with the specific Avoida, etc. And if not, he is considered a Zor the rest of the year. And now foxes should be going over there. In other words, the idea in both stories is, that the point of their argument and their claim was, yes, it's true the Beis HaMikdash had to be destroyed, and that the Eden would be chased into Golos. But why does there need to be, why does it need to come along with such a tremendous Chilul Hashem and Chilul Hashem Yisrael? And again, in both stories, number one, that Rome remains sitting so securely and comfortably, even after the Beis HaMikdash is already destroyed. And in the second story, the Nevuah of the Churban, that Zion will be plowed like a field. It could have happened in other parts of the Beis Hamikdash, not in the Kodesh Hakadoshim. This place that even the holiest Jew is told Vahazara Korev Yumas is not allowed to get close. So why does it have to be to such an extent, to such an extreme? And this is what Rabbi Akiva responds and says, Umal Well, this is in the first story, and then we'll get to the second story. That if this is what's going on with those that go against Hashem's will, you can imagine the reward that those that are doing Hashem's will will be getting, which is what he's saying is, yes, it's true. That by the fact that Rome is sitting comfortably and securely while the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed, it's true this is a tremendous Chilul Hashem and Chilul Shem Yisrael. But it's specifically as through this, that afterwards there will be the Schar and the Toivah, all the great reward for the Yidden, in even a greater way. Because again, he sees in it, it that if this is the way these people are getting and how they're being treated, how much more so what the Yidin are going to see. In other words, 
Rabbi Akiva sees in the success of Rome, and even in the Chilul Hashem and Chilul Shem Yisrael, he only sees in it, wow, imagine now the good that's going to come as a result of this and following this. And so too in the second story. Since the Nevoah of the Churban was fulfilled in the greatest possible measure, to the extent that this fox is coming out specifically out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that itself is his proof that the Nevoah of the Geula of Scharia is going to also be fulfilled in the highest and greatest way. We asked before, does he have a doubt about the Nevoah? Chas v'sholem. Of course he doesn't have a doubt in, in the Nevoah that will be the Geula, etc. His question was to what, how, how it will be fulfilled. Will it be fulfilled in the greatest way? Not in the greatest way. We find regarding different promises of the Torah, they could be fulfilled on different levels. For example, in our case itself, we say, Tzion soda techarish. Tzion will be plowed like a field. You plow something, something's eventually going to grow out. But when something grows out, that itself could be in different ways. There could be, as the Pasuk says, the you gather your grain, which seems to be implying just a normal amount of grain. There is a situation, like it says by Yitzchak, that when he planted, he got out meyer sha'arim, a hundredfold. There's the apostle, there's what the Gemara says regarding how things are going to be when Mashiach comes, chitim kikloyois, how there's going to be these, these weeds the size of, of kloyois, of kidneys. Or furthermore, as it says, lost in love, that the person plowing is going to meet up with the person reaping. In other words, as soon as you do the work, immediately things will grow. So there's so many different ways how the prophecy of Geula could come about. So when he sees the Nevoah of the Churban, that of Uriah, how he sees this as being fulfilled to the greatest extent, this tells him that the fulfillment of the Nevoah of the Geula will also be in the most amazing, greatest way. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand, again, one of our questions before, why he brought specifically this Pasuk, this Nevoah, of Tzion being plowed like a field. What happens by plowing a field, as, as we just started mentioning before, it's not to ruin, to destroy the field. On the contrary, the plowing is an absolute necessity so that the, f- the field could produce in the best way possible, the Yevula, to give out its produce, and by then growing all the things as a result of the plowing. And the more you plow the field, the better the sowing and then the, the growing is going to happen. Similarly in our case, the churban beis hamigdash is similar to plowing. That specifically through, through the plowing, or from the plowing, you get to the greater growth of the geula. And therefore, when Rabbi Akiva sees that the churban, this plowing, reached its greatest level, even to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, this itself proves to him that the Geula as well, the Tzmicha, that which will grow out of it, will be in the most powerful and greatest way. So now the Rebbe is going to move how this applies in different areas of Halacha. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand the Chiluke Dei is the differences of opinion in the Machloikas of Rabbi Akiva with the other Tanoim. That it's really dependent in a very general question that we find regarding a number of mitzvahs. Do we have to reckon, do we have to take into consideration, and according to that decide, in the present, with a mitzvah, an obligation that will come, but it's not relevant now, but will be in the future. Example, a person is not well, and the doctors say that if he will fast on Soim Gedalia, he won't be able to fast on Yom Kippur. Is he allowed, and does he have to fast on Soim Gedalia, now, Tzoyim Gedalia is called a of Medivri Kabbalah. In other words, it's mentioned in Tanakh. It's not, a, it's not what's called a of Midoi but it's, it's, it's a fast. So if, but if he's going to fast now, 
he's not going to be able to fulfill properly the Chiyuv Medoi Raisa, he's not going to be able to fulfill at all the Chiyuv Medoi Raisa of fasting on Yom Kippur. Or do we say, no, he's not allowed to fast now, so he should be able to fast on Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe says that's really the explanation between this in this machloikas between Rabbi Akiva and the other Tanoim regarding the Chilul Hashem that we mentioned before and the Chilul of the name of the Yidden in the present. That's what's happening now. But eventually and ultimately something great will come out for the Yidden and will be the greatest Kiddush Hashem. So the other Tanoim, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lozim and Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua of the opinion that since currently there is a Chilul Hashem, And it's a tremendous Chilul Hashem. So we, we don't start looking now what's going to be in the future. Right now, we need to take into consideration what's happening now. And since currently there's the opposite of the, of the, of the Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Hashem Yisrael, so therefore this is such a terrible thing that it's going to make them cry. They're not going to think about what it's going to be, what's going to be in the future. On the other hand, Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that even right now, Bahoiva, what actually outweighs is the result of the future. And therefore, Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that since the Chilul Hashem and Chilul Shem Yisrael currently, from this is going to eventually come out a tremendous advantage in the Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Shem Yisrael, clearly when the Geula is going to come, so, and therefore that outweighs the current situation, and what is he doing instead of crying? He's actually smiling and laughing. The Rebbe says this machloikas, we could say is also dependent on another general question, which in, in a certain way is even more relevant to our case. Could one, should one, fulfill a mitzvah, making sure to do all of these details, but in other words, we have the following case, the following scenario. If he's going to fulfill the mitzvah with all of these details, that he could fulfill it now, but there's what's going to be lacking is the hider of the mitzvah. So again, Let's start again this piece, sorry. We have a situation. If a person has two options, on the one end you could fulfill the mitzvah with all of its details, so the mitzvah itself is going to be done right, but as a result of this is going to be lacking the hidur of the general mitzvah. On the other hand, if you're going to be want to be mekayim, the mitzvah behidur, there's going to be lacking a certain detail of the mitzvah. Now clearly we're speaking not about a, a detail that's going to stop you from fulfilling the, fulfilling the mitzvah, you're still going to be yoy to the mitzvah. But here's the question, which one is going to outweigh what? Is it to do the mitzvah with all of its details, or to have a hidur in, in the general mitzvah? The Rebbe gives an example for this, although the Rebbe says it's not mamish a full example, but, but an example. So we have the question that is brought in Acharoinim, regarding a bris milah. So it's of course best to do the bris in the morning. We have a concept of zirizin makdimula mitzvahs. The problem is that early morning, not necessarily you're getting the big crowd. And we have an issue of something called Beroiv Am Hadras Melech. So, you want to do the mitzvah in the morning, you're going to have Zerizim Akdimula Mitzvah, so you're going to be missing in the big crowd, which brings Beroiv Am Hadras Melech with more of a crowd, as a greater covet to Hashem. On the other hand, if you're going to delay the bris for later, a later time of the day, so you're now going to have the Zerizim Akdimin, so in the actual mitzvah, you're missing one detail, an important aspect of what should be by a bris, is doing it as quickly as possible, but at least you're going to have the hidur, what we may call, how beautiful it is to have the big crowd. And so too, this idea is applied in other areas as well, that if by delaying a mitzvah for later, you're going to be later being able to be mekayim the mitzvah, 
in a more perfect way. So again, the question is, which one outweighs the other? And says the Rebbe here again, this is the machloikas between these other Tanoim and Rabbi Akiva. And that is, the fact is that Yidin will re- get the re- reward, the, this that Yidin are going to get the reward. For Oisei Ritzoinoi, those that do Hashem's will, of course are going to get reward. And that the Geulah is going to be this most greatest Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Hashem Yisrael, that everyone agrees. Not only Rabbi Akiva, of course the other Tanoim agree to this idea. But the question is, Malchus Roimi, which serves Avodah Zorah, are sitting right now, securely, happily, and the base of Migdash is, being, is, is destroyed. In the second story, the fox going out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, this is the place where we said, Vazorah Korev Yumos. So what's happening? Right now, there's a Chilul Hashem. That means, there's a certain aspect a, a missing from the general idea of Kiddush Hashem, what a Prat is missing. There's an actual, it's not a full Kiddush Hashem. It, there's something lacking in the Kiddush Hashem. On the other hand, the other side of the argument is, later eventually when the Yidin are going to get this most the greatest amazing rewards, and the Nevo of Zechariah is going to be fulfilled in the most beautiful way. What would we call this? This is called a Hidur and a Toisvus, an addition in the general idea of Kiddush Hashem. Yidin are going to live long, they're going to be healthy, you are going to have Yerushalayim, everything going the way it's supposed to be. So again, the two sides are, on the one hand, we have currently a Kiddush Hashem, with a lack of Kiddush Hashem in some ways, there's no Kiddush Hashem. You're saying, because later there's going to be the Hidur, and, and a greater Kiddush Hashem. So this is where this Machloikas again is coming out, between these two sets of, of Tanoim. According to Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lazar, Nazari, and Rabbi Yeshua, since right now there's something lacking in the Kiddush Hashem, in other words, even though there's really no major Kiddush Hashem right now going on at either way, Kiddush Hashem or Kiddush Hashem Yisrael, because we're speaking about a situation of Churban, but nevertheless it doesn't have to be to such an extent of Chilul Hashem. So therefore, according to them, it's not relevant at all that later we're going to be able to have more of a Hidr and a better, beautiful, more Kiddush Hashem. And therefore, they're crying, they're focusing on the Chilul Hashem over here. But Rabbi Akiva says, but later there's going to be a hidur in the general Kiddush Hashem. In the general mitzvah, in this general Kiddush Hashem. That outweighs the detail of the mitzvah, what's lacking right now in that Kiddush Hashem. And therefore, and therefore, what does Rabbi Akiva do? He starts laughing. So this is, so far, what the Rebbe explains in a general way. So we have these three ideas. Let's just summarize the three main ideas which are relevant for the next part of the Sicha, is that we have Rabbi Akiva's opinion of Kol David Rachamonu Letavavid. That was one, gen- one point. The next point that Rebbe was speaking about is, do we take into consideration now what's going to happen later? Example again was, Shem Gedal Yom Kippur. The next issue that we had was, whether a detail of the mitzvah would be more powerful than Hidur in the general mitzvah, or is the Hidur in the general mitzvah more powerful than the detail of the mitzvah? And now what the Rebbe is going to do, is where we're going to see, that in each one of these three details, what the Hidush is in the second story, over the first story. In other words, because as we said, we have the Klal of Kaldav and Rachamana, and then we have these two stories, and we need, wanted to know why they're all relevant. So the Rebbe starts off with the idea of Kol David Rachamanu L'Tav Ovid. When, when we say Kol David Rachamanu L'Tav Ovid, all it means is, I mean, what it means is, 
is that presently there is something bad happening. But the reason for it, there is going to come out something good out of it. As the Gemara says the story about Rabbi Akiva himself, the story where he was forced to sleep outdoors in the field, not in the city. As a result of that, he lost his donkey, his rooster, his uh, candle was extinguished. But it was all for a good that came out afterwards that Rabbi Akiva's life was saved. But what's happening here is that the actual things that happened were a matter of pain and loss, etc. It's only that as a result of this, it was, a, it was for the purpose of some good that's going to come out later. The Rebbe says, based on this, it's also understood how this fits with the din that the Gemara says, that when something happens that's no good, so even though something later will come out, a good thing will happen out of it. And the example that Rebbe brings away from the Gemara is, if a person's field got completely flooded, so even though once it's all over, there will be a certain benefit out of it that his field got irrigated, etc., but at the moment, if something bad happened, the halacha is that for right now, he's having a loss and he needs to say, Baruch Dayanamis. So again, in the story of called Ovid Rahman Latav Ovid is that right now something bad happened, but it's for a good that will eventually come out. So this idea that you need to say called Ovid Rahman Latav Ovid, as mentioned earlier, no one is arguing with that. Rabbi Gamaliel, Rabbi Lazman Azariah, and Rabbi Yeshua, of course, agree with this general idea. So what's the chidush in our story, and specifically in the second story? The chidush in the second story is that when the fox comes out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Rabbi Akiva is not only seeing the, the result that's later going to come out of it, but rather, as mentioned before, and the Rebbe points it out in the Horus again over here, he's seeing this as part of the beginning of the good, like the field that's plowed, that the plowing itself is what brings the good fruit. And the Rebbe says this is similar to the idea that the Gemara says, again, seeing in the bad itself, seeing the good, the Gemara says, Kilo Hashem es chamosoi. It's a passage that says, Hashem finished off his anger. The Gemara says, what does it mean he finished off his anger? He let it all out on the stones and the wood, but not on the Bnei Yisrael. The Gemara connects this to a capital till the passage says, Mizmor lo'asof. Speaking about the Churban. So why Mizmer, which is a song, why not Bechi? Why isn't it mourning or crying of Asaf? That's because Hashem let out His angers on the stone and on the wood rather than on Bnei Yisrael. And when and how was this completely sort of letting out all of the anger? That's when you have this, this case of the foxes going down in the place of the Kodesh HaKadoshim and Yerushalayim becomes desolate, etc., etc., so, but this is mainly in the second story. In the first story, even though there too, Rabbi Akiva is laughing. And there too, of course, is also a certain benefit or advantage over the general concept of a, over called Ovid, Rachamon, Letav Ovid. But as the Rebbe is going to conclude, we'll get back in a minute, the Rebbe is going to conclude, and the Rebbe is going to say, but it's still not in a way that that itself, you could see the beginning of the good itself as much as in the case of the foxes going in the base of Migdash, which is the idea of Tzion being plowed like a field. But going back for a moment, what's the Chidush in the first story over called Ovid, Rachamon, Letav Ovid? Because when you say called Ovid, Rachamon, Letav Ovid, you know that it's for the good, but you have no idea in what way it's going to be good. It's not revealed in any way what the good is going to be. 
Whereas in our story, when the story of Rome, it clearly does say, he clearly sees in the Goyim getting their reward, that now you can understand what kind of reward the Yidin are going to get. And the other point that Rebbe says is, in the case of you're saying it's a bad that's going to bring to something good. But clearly, if you wouldn't have had the bad at all, that would definitely be good. Like in the case of Rabbi Akiva, if he wouldn't have had the donkey and the rooster, etc., he would have also been saved. Whereas here you're seeing clearly, when he says, the people that transgress the Abishta's will are having all this greatness, how much more so the Eden. So again, number one, you clearly see the good that's coming out of it. And yes, it is coming out something better because they have their good. You clearly see much more how much, how much better the Yidin are going to have. But again, it's still nothing in comparison to the second story where you mamish say that the good is already starting right now with that field being plowed. The Rebbe is now going to go again back to the other questions that we mentioned and see in them too the specific advantage of the second story. So what were the other two questions? Again, the idea of that the situation in the future should outweigh what's happening right now. And we discussed this about the idea of a mitzvah. In other words, Rabbi Akiva would be of the opinion we need to take the consideration of the future and take that into consideration right now. And so to the idea of the hider of the general mitzvah that's going to come out should outweigh a little detail of the mitzvah itself. So over here again, we're going to see the chidush specifically in the second story. So generally we say, we look at two things and we see which one outweighs the other. What's stronger than the other? In other words, we have the, what's happening currently right now in the present. And in the present, there is going to be something lacking. There's going to be lacking. The, the, that detail of the mitzvah is going to be lacking. But we say that in the future, because there's going to be a hiddur, is going to outweigh what's happening right now. So generally, in, in both of these ideas, in the first story, we see these two ideas. Either we look at the future, or we look, and yes, the hither that's going to come out is more important than the prat that's happening right now. But again, what about the second story? The second story is much more than that. In the second story, it's not only that we're looking which outweighs the other, but Rabbi Akiva is looking at the current situation, and he only sees the mile of the good that's coming out of it. In other words, the Hidur of the Kidur Shem Shemayim and Shem Yisrael that's going to happen, Rabbi Akiva doesn't see it only as if it's something that's going to eventually start, eventually happen, but he's seeing it right now, currently, in the current situation, in that which seems to be a problem, and a Chisorin and the Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Shem Yisrael, in this itself, he's already seeing the beginning of all the good. Says the Rebbe, this, now we can also understand why it is that specifically in the second story, where they say to him, Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva nichamtonu, and not in the first story. The chidush and the idea of what we said, Shuo Yoitza, the fox coming out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, compared to the other Tanoim, that they are crying and he's laughing, there's two things. There's really two things that are happening here. Number one, in their opinion, what they're seeing right now is something no good, which is bringing them to cry. But what Rabbi Akiva is seeing is not only that we need to look at the good, the Kiddush Shem Shemayim, the Kiddush Shem Shisrael in the most greatest way that will eventually come out, but furthermore, there's a second point. And that is, as we said, 
that it's the mile and the benefit of the Geula that is happening right now. In other words, it's not only something that's happening as a result of something no good, but rather it's all one Indian. See, in the fact that it's being plowed like a field, the Churban itself has that advantage, like plowing a field, which the continuation of that plowing is that you then sow and it grows and so on. And that's what the double comfort is. The double comfort is number one, when we look, yes, the great things that will be in the future. But number two, the advantage and the comfort that we're realizing that it's within the present as well. And where does Rabbi Akiva prove this from? In the second story, what does he say? He brings this Pasuk. Where Hashem says, I'm bringing these two trustworthy witnesses. That one Nevoah is dependent on the other. In other words, the Pasuk itself is saying that they're, they're not two separate things. Churban and Geula are not two separate things. They are one thing. Like Edus, which is one Geder, we say, they become one Metzius of testimony now. The Nevoah of Zechariah. And the Nevoah of Uriah are one Edus, they are one thing. Whereas in the first story, where Rabbi Akiva is laughing when he says, oh, if this is what the Goyim get, you can imagine what the Yidin that do Hashem's will are getting. So that is only going to be according to Rabbi Akiva's opinion. Whereas the other Tanoim still remain with their opinion. In other words, they still say we have to look at the present situation. Especially... That you need to learn and you need to see the Maila and the Toiv of one thing from the other. You need to understand regarding the Eden from what's happening by the Goyim. And furthermore, Rabbi Akiva didn't bring a Pasuk, a proof from this from the Pasuk, as in the second story. From which we should know that, how much more so in regards to the first story. So this is why it's specifically in this second story where they say this double expression, Akiva Nicham Tonu, Akiva Nicham Tonu. Says the Rebbe, based on all of this, we could also explain why the Gemara mentions the names of the Tanoim. Because through this, we could actually see the reason for their differences of opinion. Rabban Gamliel is a Nasi. So clearly he is a Yisrael, he's from Shevet Yehuda. Rabbi Loza ben Azari is a Koyen, he's 10th generation to Ezra. Rabbi Yeshua is a Levi, from those that sang in the Beis Hamikdash. Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, is a Ben Gerim. Says the Rebbe, simply, who is the one that could see and actually accomplish in Lu'umaza, in Klipa, in the opposite side, the complete nullification of the bad, even as it's standing in the strongest, in its strongest power. And to be able to see the mila, the benefit of the Khurban, in a way of a double comfort, it's specifically someone that by him in his own life was also in this sort of way. In other words, he's coming from this kind of place. It's a similar says the Rebbe to something the Gemara says that specifically Oivadio is the one that gives the Navu about the downfall of Edom because of Oivadio was a gayer from Edom. As the Gemara says that this is what people say that from the forest itself you create the, the axe, the handle to the axe to chop down the forest. So Rabbi Akiva himself that's coming from such a place can be able to see how this could all be transformed and see the good in it. Whereas a regular Ben Yisrael, whether a Koyin, a Levi or Yisrael, can't see this by himself. This is a Chiddush to him. The Rebbe says another thing, says the Rebbe, we can also see this in their shittas and halacha, this difference that we just spoke about, of what's going to outweigh which one. Is it the present or is it the future? When we speak, as we said, is the detail of the mitzvah or the hidur in the general mitzvah. So again, specifically Rabbi Akiva, that in addition to the fact that he was a ben Gerim, he also started learning Torah himself only when he was 40 years old. If he would look at himself in his present and current situation, he would never come to this great dargah of Rabbi Akiva. 
It's only because he sees the results of things, the advantages that could come out of it, and did come out by him in the future, and which showed him with absolute certainty, just like we know that the story, as, the, as, as Chazal tell us, how the water made that hole in the rock, and that's what made Rabbi Akiva also realize his potential. This is what brought him, he sees the future right now, it brings him that he should be able to learn Torah, as the way the Razal explained to us. Based on all of this, the Rebbe now comes back to the Haftarah. He says, now we, the Rebbe says, now we can understand the explanation of the advantage of the double comfort, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, for the general Gaulus and Churban of the double trouble that the Yidin had. What is the Laku B'chiflayim? What is the double punishment? The double punishment consists of the fact that in addition to the actual Churban and Gaulus, and the opposite of a Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Yisroel, there's also, as we said before, the extreme Chilul Hashem and Chilul Hashem Yisroel. More than, than just the actual Churban and Gaulus itself. Again, like we had before in the stories at the end of Masech Tamakos, where they're saying these are serving Avodah and they're sitting so securely and calmly. And the second story with a fox going out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So there's this double double punishment, one thing, the actual Churban, and then the extent of it, the Chilul Hashem of it. In accordance to this, we also have the double comfort. That is, in addition to the first comfort, which is in this gala, where we see the benefit, the good, that comes out of the actual Churban and Golos, how all of this was, only there should be able to be revealed, the Giluyim, the revelations of the Geula Asida. The second point is also in this gala, the Maila, the advantage that comes as a result of the additional trouble that the Yidin had. Of the Churban and Golas. That itself, as we said before, there was this Lako Bechiflayim. So therefore, that's the extra Nechama that comes out, because when we realize Davka, the good that came out because of the extra strength of that Golas. In other words, what's going to be felt, not only that it was worth all of the Golas just to be able to come up to the Soisaf and the Hidr in the time of the Geula, but furthermore, we actually see and recognize the benefit of the, that addition of Churban and Golas, and as it says, Hashem, we're going to be thanking Hashem, to be because that Hashem was angry with us. So the Rebbe, based on this, we could also say the remez of the Nechama in the, in the Parsha, that's in Parsha's Devarim. Sorry, in Parsha's Eschanan. The Razal say, Rashi brings it in regards to what it says, Kisoylid Bonim, Ubnei Bonim, Vinoishantem Ba'aretz. You can have children and grandchildren, you can be a long time in the land. So Rashi says, brings from Chazal, that Rem is, that he, here he's hinting to them, Ramaz Lohem, that they're going to be going into Golos. The gematri of the word Vineshantem is after 852 years. But the Golos ended up happening a little earlier, only after 850 years. Why did he bring it earlier two years? So that it shouldn't be fulfilled what it says further, Ki that you will be lost completely. This fits with a Pasuk, where it says that Hashem brought the bad things quicker, and Chazal tells us that Hashem did a tzedakah with us, that He brought it two years before its time. So that Chas v'sholem, the negative part of the Pasuk, shouldn't be fulfilled. So what do we see here? Again, the same idea. Not only is there a certain benefit or use out of the Golas that's going to lead eventually, as the Psukim described, that you're going to eventually return to Hashem, search for Hashem and do tshuva, etc., etc. But even the fact that the Golas comes early, has that mile that it's causing, it's being mavatl, it's nullifying the Ovoi Tevedun, Chas Vashalom, the destruction of the Jewish people. And the Rebbe concludes that through Ma'aseinu Vavidaseinu, throughout the time of Golos, we're going to be Zoycha, Begoli Mamish, to Nachamu, Nachamu, and even more so, 
that Hashem himself says, Anoichi, Anoichi, I myself, who will be comforting the Yidden, Beviyas Mashiach Tzadkeinu.